Well, the trip sounds nice. Sounds like everybody's been busy. And, you know, like some of these heroes we're going to be talking about, it's time to get back into it after time away and do justice once more. So we're doing Kingdom Come for episode nine of Infinity Content. This was Colton's pick. We couldn't get enough of that Superman. And this you want to do this one. And I think we all read it pretty recently. You, mm -hmm. you just finished it a couple days ago. I did. And I'm very excited to talk about it. I have so many thoughts. Roman, when was the last time you read this before recently? Um, oh, before recently? Because I think I read this about, maybe it's been a month now since I read it. But before that, I hadn't read it since it w came out in issues. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it was like it was like a whole fresh read because I'd forgotten so much. Do you remember when those come out? I will try to look up uh, to verify the date since I, I don't have internet. I want to say late nineties. I think that's that's what I read too. Yeah, I think it's the copyrights in here. Oh, nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right here. Wow. Right on. This is yeah. I this was right was after I, I graduated Western. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's Flash from the past. Well, this this was one that a number of customers when I was here would talk about, and some of the staff here would talk about, and I hadn't got around to getting to it. And this podcast, thankfully, was just what I needed to jump right in. And yeah, wow, this was a lot of fun to read and had a lot of... I can see where some current stories in comics can pull from this and got some inspiration from this. It was just really, really good. I feel like when I read this, I just kept seeing kind of similar tones to Watchmen. It also reminded me of Dark Knight Returns. Yep. Uh, and then I see so much of Injustice, Injustice. pulling directly oh. from this. Injustice yeah. was definitely the first thing that came to mind for me in this one when I was reading it. I was like, oh, nice. Uh, so I guess we should jump right in. Colton, you're going to take the lead on this, but we're doing Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross for art. So, yeah, uh, take us away. All right. So the first image really sets the tone for the whole uh, comic. You have a really scary, satanic-looking bat being pierced by a spear of light by an American bald eagle with a flag for wings. Would this be art-worthy for On Your Wall if this was a giant framed picture? <laughs> Uh, I feel like currently <laughs> I'm not uh, in love enough with uh, America <laughs> to want any I iconography that would be this patriotic. But it is, I feel like it really symbolizes the way America views itself a lot as like a force of good fighting against like different evils. I was, yeah, when I saw this image, it was like, Kick, kick ass, but... <laughs> uh, so, uh, also on this image, we got the uh, first lines of dialogue, and they are actually scripture. And it's kind of cool, because the text boxes for the scripture actually look like old, like, Dead Sea Scrolls. And so our next image is uh, also an extension of the first image, where we see a lot of very distant bodies uh, fighting against each other, but you even see, see some angelic and demonic imagery in those figurines if you look at their wings. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get some more uh, of the scripture. And the scripture, if uh, as it goes on, it will reveal that it's actually Revelations, the last book in the Bible. And in that book, we find out all about the apocalypse. And it lays out these things are supposed to occur in a 
specific order uh, that are symbolic in nature. So even in this comic, it's interesting the way that they are kind of relating uh, the story to things that are actually in our physical, real-world Bible. Because people do that all the time, even in our world. Like, even with 9-11, all sorts of, like, global warming, they'll always try to tie it to the same doomsday prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, we then get to a hospital room where we see a uh, old man who looks very, very ill talking to a uh, priest. And they're talking about how the old man uh, is seeing visions. And so the visions that we saw earlier are most likely uh, the visions that this man's having. And they keep talking, and we find out that this hero is actually the Sandman. Yep. Uh, Wesley Dodds. And not the original, not the Sandman uh, who's the uh, Eternal, right? No. So <laughs> No, not the Neil Gaiman, the Dream, Endless, the Dreams. Mm-hmm. So was that Sandman supposed to be like the second iteration? Because there's this one, well, and I know. the third, actually, because there was a brief. They tied it all together in Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was a Kirby character in the 70s that was around for like six issues or something. It could blast sand in people's faces. He, he had a dream thing, too. He could go in the dream dimension, and he had Glob and this other monster who were, like, his buddies. Oh, and that's the assistants. one that was tied up in uh, the Sandman, the Eternal one with Neil Gaiman, because of, I think it turns out that he's, like, actually been dead the whole time. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So but, but this is the Golden Age Sandman that was like part a, of the Justice Society. He had a gas mask. He was kind of yeah. like a Green Hornet kind of character who shot a yeah. gun of He didn't have any powers. He just had this gas gun that he could knock criminals out with and... He would leave like a little card with like a kind of poetic I, sleep thing on it. I wasn't really aware of this Sandman. I knew there was multiple iterations, but I never knew who the Golden Age one. I had a tough time identifying that. And it was mm. the Bellingham Comic Con a couple weeks ago that we had a Golden Age figure of Sandman. I saw. I was like, huh? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Kingdom Come. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Full circle. Uh, so the uh, Sandman he starts uh, telling the spiritual leader. Has he said his name yet? The, the priest? Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, Norman. Norman, okay. yeah. He calls him Norman. So he's telling Norman uh, that his visions are real, and Norman isn't actually really buying it. And he uh, goes to his funeral service. There's not that many people there. Uh, and it just sort of has flashes through time where we uh, start learning about what's been happening in society when it comes to superheroes. Mm-hmm. And what we... Uh, start seeing is that they're, uh, the superheroes have kind of become commercialized. We have a full dining scene uh, where we, everybody is dressed up as superheroes. We uh, have Aquaman, Shazam, Flash, Wonder Woman, Black Canary. Yep. Uh, for this restaurant scene, two questions for a little fun. Would you eat at this restaurant yes. if there was a superhero-themed restaurant? <laughs> two, what menu item would you want to eat? If you could come up with a menu item for this and you'd eat it, what would what would it be? Oh, we have to come up with one. Oh, God. Like, probably like the Wonder Waffle or something like that. It'd have to have an alliteration <laughs> to it with a superhero's name. Uh, Trevor, do you have any ideas? Uh, I feel like an Aquaman drink where it's just like blended ice and water. I like I can't get away from the green lantini from like the Plastic Man uh, <laughs> cover from like issue four that came yeah. out recently or five, yeah. but uh, it would definitely have to be some kind of like Superman steak or something, just like pure like p- 
pure beef, like farm-raised beef, <laughs> something like it's been massaged, it's, just it's been like well cared for. Just steak and potatoes. Yeah, steak and with potatoes. A, with a glass of milk. <laughs> Wholesome. <laughs> I want to know what uh, – there's one of the dialogue bits where somebody orders a black condor straight up, and I'm like, God, I, I wish – I want to know what that is. <laughs> uh, it'd be great if we had like a good like shot of the menu. Yeah. Uh, maybe and that's I, in the – I love the fact that it's Planet Krypton. Yeah. The name of the chain. I think maybe if they had an absolute edition, like how Jeff had for All-Star Superman, maybe they have the menu in that. Just mm. keep an eye out for that. Or request that. I'm Listen, to, listen, DC. Absolute edition, Kingdom Come, add a menu. I really love that. Like, I would, like laminate and everything? Yeah. Uh, so we find out about these new heroes that they're kind of just warriors. And they're like reverse snowflakes. <laughs> uh, because... Uh, the superheroes that came before them are kind of given a godlike status in the culture, which then makes them, I guess, commercialized too. But that they had a set of rules and expectations regarding human life and safety that the new heroes uh, definitely did not follow. They were all about the uh, getting likes and having people look at them doing cool fighting moves. Uh, they are definitely... It's hard for me. Like It's just... The way Alex Ross draws these characters and designed them, it's hard for me to n- not be just – just I can't take my eyes away from them. It's just so much happening <laughs> with all these designs. Mm, yeah. They're – like it's – the art style is so kind of like alien. I don't know. Yeah. It's so it's, mesmerizing it's to so look at. It's so good. Most of the stuff I've seen for Alex Ross, this was something I want – like I always want to try to do right at the beginning, but talk a little bit about what – the artist and the writer known for Alex Ross. I didn't really know what he'd done before. Mostly, I just seen uh, his art covers, the cover for Kingdom Come. I never really flipped through this yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's been, and I know he's done like the Marvelocity book. He just did a DC one recently, but he's done Batman: War on Crime, Shazam: Power of Hope, uh, Kirby Genesis, JLA Secret Origins. So he's done a lot of stuff that I didn't realize he did more than just the covers for, which is really, really awesome. His art is something very different. And normally, I don't know, I it reminds me of like that kind of science horror stuff. Like if the, I think like of the like, B movies from the fifties. Yeah, like hmm. something from like Rocketeer or it came from Mars. Like those it kinda reminds me of those art styles like you'd see from old movie posters and things, yeah. the way it looks. And it's it feels like kind of yeah retro and very interesting to like look at he he puts a lot into the pages but i wouldn't even say they're busy it's just so amazing level of detail yeah in them yeah and he did i don't remember if he still does but he always did the covers for astro city which is a very mm-hmm. retro book and his first thing he did was that brought him to a prominence was marvels before this the mar and the that, marvels run um, not nights. yeah, that's that, just called Marvels, right? Yeah, that miniseries from she's the early '90s, I think. That was all about. I think it was Ben Urich, the reporter. It was like his street level view of yeah '94 the, the Marvel universe. Yep, yeah, which was a great series too. Wow. So uh, we find out that the supervillains basically aren't a threat anymore on uh, Earth at this point that all the new heroes have sort of eliminated them, but a big issue has been that they don't really care about civilian casualties or damage, and that it's really been pushing uh, basically 
the non-metahumans buttons, like the lack of sense of control over their own world when they are the minority, but or the, they're the majority, but they almost have minority status because of their lack of power. Yeah. And amidst this giant fight uh, between some of these villains and these new heroes, the, which is always really fun to look at them to kind of guess whose kids they might be or who they were trained by. I also just trying to figure out who's who. Like, I can't tell who's a villain and who's a hero yeah. during this and whole are, thing. And, and that, might, they... that might be the point, that you can't actually see in the chaos of the fight who's the good guy and who's the bad guy because you never see anybody saving anybody. Yeah, and isn't... That's what I thought. And I thought, actually, I wasn't even sure any of them were strictly villains. They're all... I kind of thought they were all kind of the new breed of good guys and just fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> just it kind of looks like they're vying for, like, popularity. But a lot of them definitely look like well, like this sadomasochist Yeah, the dude has six, six I mean, on his nipples. I mean, he definitely looks like a villain. The pierce nipples, yeah. Yeah. And he's he's just, actually the nicest guy. He's laughing. <laughs> he's laughing have a good time. You know, it was like the late 90s, though. Like, I think everybody kind of looked like a villain back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get back, and... There's this giant announcement on a building, and we see Kansas with a giant red circle on it. And what it turns out is that Kansas is gone. It's been absolutely blown off the map. We don't know why yet, uh, but it actually lends into the prophecy that we are talking about earlier mm -hmm. when uh, there's a part in the prophecy that says that a third of the world's trees will burn up. And so I think vaporizing kind of... You know, that kind of counts. Up, Except yeah. for, there's not really a tree. I guess if corn grows high enough, is it considered a tree? <laughs> uh, but I guess we don't have to be, like, very strict about these religious metaphors. So uh, the pastor we were talking about earlier, what's his name again? Norman. Norman, Norman, Norman Priest. Norman. <laughs> Norman. I just want to call him, like, the witness. Norman uh, D. Priest. <laughs> so Norman's talking to his entire congregation, and he says that, everything's basically fucked up and they are, he doesn't make them any happier. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it'd be really, if he could make them happy after a third of the country is vaporized, that uh, he would do a pretty good job. And this is also where he starts like admitting that now those dreams of the Sandman he's been having. So he's starting yeah, to see the same things the Sandman right. has. And then we get the first appearance of uh, the Spectre, Spectre which he looks uh, so good. He looks that was such terrifying. A great yeah, such a great answer coming through the stained glass and Jesus right behind him that he came through. I, I what I really like about these scenes is the change in lighting. Yeah, that mm. everything kind of has a glow to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it really creates like a really easy way as a reader to know if we're in like this kind of audience sit-in perspective mm -hmm. versus like with the superheroes. And it's almost like a, it's a, like a really interesting reading device, but with your eyes, like this visual like change in like, setting, even though you're in the same physical space. Yeah. So uh, the specter comes in, and he says, "Hey, I need you, Norman. I and need your body, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do Come stuff. On. Norman, we're going on an adventure." <laughs> <laughs> he just started Rick and Morty's this uh, this priest. <laughs> uh, and Norman, it's it's interesting because he's trying to understand this being the spirit being in the understanding of his own religious identity so he keeps trying to kind of throughout the story tying it back into religion but the specter just says i'm an angel but not of god or anything specific and he says i need your help norman to come with me uh that i can't do it myself 
and he basically coerces him to going with him. Yeah. So he grabs his hand, and they teleport, and they're kind of uh, transparent, and we see a giant farm where a very rugged uh, Superman is building a farm. Yeah, sweet ponytail. He <laughs> he is uh, definitely going full, full, like, what's his name from Walking Dead? Uh, Rick? No, the farmer. Oh, man. Uh... Rick. <laughs> it's the only the, one the, I know. Wait, the older, older yeah, guy that gets uh, that's killed pretty. Herschel. He looks season. like Herschel. Yeah, Herschel. Yeah. Herschel, uh, yeah. Well, he, he has a huge ponytail. He kept a little bit of his hair from when he died. Yeah, probably uh, late forties Herschel, early fifties Herschel, probably. Uh, and Wonder Woman uh, shows up and she starts talking to him and they start talking about the events, kind of hinting at why Superman left because mm-hmm. he lost hope. And Wonder Woman keeps trying to convince him to go with her. And Superman is just really doesn't want it. And what we find out is that this whole farming scenario is just a hologram that Superman made. Yeah. Um, and then we get to then we actually get to see more of the scene of what happened in Kansas City, uh, or the state of Kansas, where there's heroes fighting some dude that Magog. <laughs> Magog, yeah, Magog, Magog, Magog. Magog. So, yeah, which that's another. I know I forgot to look it up. I think Magog is another biblical reference. Yeah, Magog in the Bible. I think I the first time I got to introduce this character, he was in New Fifty Two, and the character picked that name based off of something biblical, hmm. and it was a way to get back at like the heroes because it was. Cersei or someone from Wonder Woman's past, because I think it was during the Superman Wonder Woman run that I he shows up to fight Wonder Woman and Superman, and it's a kid that gets turned into this dude. So I was surprised to see him in this. I didn't know he would been around before, oh. and his design is very interesting. He's he like a cable so, with goat horns. He looks so fourth world to me. Like he looks yeah. like he could be a yeah. new god. Yeah, yeah. He really does. Uh, so we get a scene where Magog and a bunch of younger heroes are fighting a giant parasite uh, creature. I'm going to call him Maggie. 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 Dial M for Magog. (laughs) Uh, And what happened was they had tried to overwhelm this very low-level villain. And is it Captain Adam? Yeah, the parasite grabs Captain Adam and somehow splits him open. Is it like he absorbed his skin and that broke his shell? Maybe because yeah, he must have absorbed some of. He's yeah, he touches him and absorbs some of. His, starts absorbing his power. And Captain Adam, he has this. He looks like metallic because he has a containment suit. Containment suit yeah. that keeps his basically uh, intense nuclear power contained in his in, within his suit. <laughs> uh, so his suit gets broken, gets compromised somehow after coming in contact with this parasite, and he he goes nuclear and takes out all of Kansas. And then Superman, even after learning all this information, he uh, still doesn't want to leave. Uh, he wants to stay in his safe little digi farm. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman flies off. I love uh, what comes next is this: the Spectre and Norman Priest talking about what happened to the rest of the classic heroes. I love the designs for what they've all been up to. I thought this was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first hero that they talk about who's had his time jump in power is the Flash. And I think he might be the one I'm most interested about, where he's basically... they. I like how they don't distinguish between him and Batman. They describe the Flash as more like a guardian angel mm-hmm. who is like a force of nature within his city. 
Yeah. And if anything happens, he'll immediately take care of it. And there's always kind of a red blur over the city. I also like he would kind of turn into like a mix between Jay Garrick and Mercury or yeah. the, the the messenger god. He's got the winged helmet. His was the coolest, but when it got to, uh, well, Hawkman's was just spooky. Uh, yeah, Hawkman becomes <laughs> yeah, a Hawkman's vengeful. Spooky. He's got uh, a bird head. He has a bird hand. He's just stabbing construction workers. But I, th- I think uh, Green Lanterns had the craziest one. He just made a giant fortress in space, a giant contract fortress, which looks super kick-ass. It looks something straight out of Valerian. Yeah. He's just sitting there on a throne. It looks like it has cities in it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I wish that he would have had like a handful of rings. Like It kind of alludes to that he uh, that one story where Cyborg Superman blew up his city. Oh, yeah. Goes full parallax. Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. And then you get some tease for Aquaman. Uh, talks about Wonder Woman. Then it looks like what looks like the Legion yep. of superheroes. So. Yeah, it looks like Supergirl like left yeah. our, our time period to go just hang out with the Legion in the future. In the future? <laughs> Pretty lazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't want to take over your, your, your dude in Gotham City. What's I, he been, what he's been up to? He's made a uh, police state out of Gotham and has filled it full of robots, giant back bat mechs that he controls from a computer from far away. And I feel like I wish I knew how the people felt about this because mm-hmm. we never actually get to know if they were like fine with being under his giant bat thumb because... He just it just shows how efficient he is at rounding up criminals by like corralling them with his giant suits. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be a lot easier now too, since there's no supervillains anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's no supervillains. It's just superheroes fighting superheroes and yeah. causing like civilian like destruction all around. I do wish this had been longer and explained some things like that. And like I was curious, well, what happened to the Joker? I mean, I just kind of want to know what... We do, we do get to that. We get a semi-Joker in this with uh, this dude in the next page next to a giant mech, a dude wearing a shirt that says Fair Play on it, or he's got something oh. that says Fair Play on it, and there's a clown spade person with a, a jack-in-the-box popping out of his back with a gun. Yeah. And, this is, and it's funny, Alex Ross drew this because he, i sure... When he was, did Astro City, which was I think after this, he has a, a superhero in there called Jack in the Box, really, who looks very much like this Harlequin character. Jeez, <laughs> Except yeah. he's a superhero and not a not shooting That's people. <laughs> and also, it's great to talk about like during this whole time, Norman Norman Priest here is you know criticizing Spectre about this whole thing, saying that you know with all the power that he has, that they're the people you know the the powers above that sent him aren't doing anything. It's just they're there to witness, and he calls bullshit on that, and that yeah. this isn't right, and if they're coming here, they should do something. If they have the power, they should do something, and leads into saying like that we need more than just you know some dude here telling me I need to go on some crazy quest and quest just to watch. yeah just to watch like that ain't right yeah uh, and you know that gets answered pretty shortly after that. So what happens is big fights happen on this bridge. Things are getting all torn up. And then Norman says, we need hope. And then all of a sudden, a giant blue and red blur comes in, saves the day. And a woman says, look up in the sky. And we see Superman show up. And he has a new, scary, dark suit with a dark back behind his S logo. I like it. Yeah. I, 
That's so impressive. All the yellow was gone from his costume. Uh, <coughs> so what happens is everybody's super happy about this, and everybody's cheering on because Big Blue, the number one Boy Scout, is back. But Norman, who's in the crowd, much darker than everybody else by the lighting, yeah, since like he's not his, actually with them. Yeah, his colors are way faded and stuff. He has a vision with Superman surrounded by red brimstone like hellscape and he realizes that uh, Armageddon has begun so now we're in chapter 2 and we get more of the prophecy images with more of those scriptures stating uh, about the specifics of the uh, Armageddon and then we see uh, Superman and his crew the Justice League has basically gotten back together minus Batman uh, who's, do we know who this person at the top is of the page? I think above? it's the Ray. You think it's the Ray? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. That one right there. Oh. I'm a page behind you guys. Also, oh, just like yeah, to point out once again, the reason I think the Green Lantern is the coolest, the Flash looks great. He's got a giant emerald sword now, too. I mean, it just looks really cool. He's a king. Yeah, a real, yeah, a really badass sword. I hope that shows up that in Grant Morrison's run at some point. That thing is kick-ass. So uh, the gods, as they're called, come and clean up really fast this uh, fight that's going on. And they, they go in there. Everybody's super happy that they saved the date, and they fly off to the UN. And Superman makes a big statement to everybody. He says, we're back. We're good. We're going to handle this. Uh, we don't have to really worry about what's happened. And they then discuss about this potential conflict between the new generation of heroes and the old gods. And Superman kind of gets called out for not being able to fight uh, Magog by a journalist. And then they fly off again. And we come to a conference table with a bunch of normies. And the Spectre and Norman are watching. And they're talking about uh, the... Building full of people is, I think, world leaders. It's not that evil council that we see later, right? Uh, I don't think it is. Yeah. No, because the council are very distinct people yep. that come in this. Also, this is Tim. This isn't Tim Drake. This is Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. That's dressed as Red Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was very interesting. I didn't never knew he would, was Red Robin at any point. Maybe there was. Well, no well, at this Drake. point, with well, this point, Red Robin. As a name didn't exist, but yeah, that's the costume that, that yeah, that's like that's brought back Drake. for Red Robin. You yeah. know, I'm surprised the way they you know solicit Nightwing nowadays. They didn't label him Red Robin so people could say yum. <laughs> I'm surprised you. I'm surprised you didn't come up with that before me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to no, derail. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, what we find out is that this group of people are, I think, world leaders, and they're just talking about how scared everybody is because everybody was really scared about all these these new generation of heroes who are writing about, but now they're also afraid that now this the old wave of heroes is coming back. So either way, humans are kind of still not in power, regardless of who's, which cohort of superheroes is the top dog. So we get a little teleporting to a dilapidated mansion that Superman's going through, and it turns out that he's at Batman's uh, house. So he goes down to the cave, which is flooded, and he goes up to Batman, who is behind a computer monitor, and he's uh, very old-looking, and he has some uh, assistive technology attached to him, so it looks like 
Maybe it was back got broke, it stayed broke. Yeah, I was uh, wondering that too, his exoskeleton suit thing he's got on. I was kind of confused about why he didn't unflood the Batcave. That I feel like that's just like one. It's a sim- it's a symbolic thing. I mean, you know? Is he just like this would take like five minutes of having my amazing army of bat bots to take care of? Yeah, you know, yeah. show things have changed. Times it helps. It helps his his crime funny attitude to sit it, down it, there in this dank angst, flooded yeah. cave and, Gosh, and always be uncomfortable. The, the mold, <laughs> yeah. the mildew. Uh, so Batman and Superman start getting in a fight and. Batman just keeps calling Superman out for being a quitter, basically. Yeah, he keeps calling him Clark after Superman <laughs> says, don't call me that. Uh, and then uh, Superman kind of counters back and calls uh, or Batman, not a fascist, but that he is kind of acting like a dictator. Superman? Uh, yeah. And this is where we get like that feeling. This is where I started getting that feeling of uh, injustice. injustice. Yeah. Very mm. much so. Yeah. This is where that divide starts happening. So uh, let's see what's been happening here. You get the reveal that he's been working with Oliver Queen, yeah, Ted Cord, and Catwoman. No, that's not Catwoman. Who was that again? Oh, it's uh, Black Canary. Yeah. So he's uh, Superman's been kind of gathering a coalition of humans, or super skilled humans, mm-hmm. uh, with him, and they're talking about the dangers if the league comes back into play. And then, you know, the good old line about Batman always having a plan for anything, even heroes coming back who've been gone for 10 years. And then the Spectre gives a really good, like, little highlight reel of, is it both Batman and Superman's first covers? What's up? Yeah. Uh, On on the page where uh, we start getting Norman and Spectre's take on all of it. And... uh, Oh, yeah. Spectre's talking to Norman about uh, how even though they're both have views of justice, they view it very differently, mm-hmm. and that they come in conflict with each other. And he does a really cool little tribute where he raises hands, and we see the Action Comics number one cover, uh, and the is Batman that, cover. Is that yeah? yeah. No, was that Detective, Detective Comics, Comics number one, number twenty-seven, and, and Sensation Comics? I think number one with oh, Wonder, it, Wonder Woman on the horse. That's really. Oh, cool. is that her? Oh, yeah. cool. That's really neat. I liked not too long ago when Action Comics one thousand was coming out. Alex Ross was doing. Uh, cover images of old action comics issues and redoing them in his art, mm. and they were it was really cool. I like that. And that's where wow. I started getting more curious. I should really look at Kingdom Come since he's done the whole <laughs> the whole thing. I what I thought was really interesting is not just Spectre Norman's view about uh, Batman Superman, but I really liked how they kind of dove into Wonder Woman yeah. and they talked about her being a paradox because she is both an avatar of war but also a messenger of peace. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we then go forward, and it's kind of uh, a montage through the next couple pages where we're seeing that Superman's been gathering his forces and that they've been cleaning house, basically, of all these young heroes. Yeah, and they're, they're basically stopping them, telling them you can work with us, or, I mean, we have to, you It's know, like the ultimate, like, my way or the highway. Yeah, that's basically what's been going on. So he's getting some of them, whatnot. I like one of these heroes is a... A, a man castle. He's a castle man. Yeah. In this page, what do you think his powers would be? He's a human fortress. I, I don't know. What do you do that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Like crush people. <laughs> He's a thwomp. He's a thwomp. Yeah. It's just a really classic. Well, it's the artist is doing such a good job. Of course, he'd make a thwomp beautiful. <laughs> do your guys' edition have the? Where is it? 
I think somewhere in the back in the Apocrypha, there's it identifies a bunch of these characters just on the covers of the issues. Oh yeah, this thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's got some of that. Yeah, because I had to spend like an hour going through all of that. I, yeah, I don't, I I don't know if that, it, but I really want I you now. Yeah, I'm I don't know if that me. castle dude is on one of these covers. Uh, what a waste! What a waste if he's not. But that, yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> really piqued my curiosity. I know there's some of these crazy cool designs in here. I love uh, when they get to it in the issue, like the blue beetle design is just over the top for him. He is, he's full Beetleborg. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. He's a big, bad Beetleborg. Uh, so we get to... Oh, wait, but first, uh, so they, they beat up some of the young heroes, and then Wonder Woman is go- seen going too hard, and Superman tells her to kind of calm down. Just like Injustice. Just like an Injustice, <laughs> when she freaking wants to stab everybody. Uh, uh, yeah, go for it. So we then go and we see Norman and the Spectre in this giant uh, building full of humans who all look like James Bond villains. One of them, a uh, man, kills his assistant for not getting him coffee properly. And who is that man? Uh, it's Lex Luthor. No. No, is it not? Oh, the one, that, the one that kills him? That's kills Ra's al Ghul. Oh, is it? Sorry, I set you up for that. No, yeah. no. Well, I didn't actually, notice that. It's, that's it's that's Vandal me. Savage. Oh, that's Vandal Savage. Oh, wow. wow. Fuck yeah. Because <laughs> when, when Luther comes out, he calls him Mr. Savage. Man. <laughs> I, was, I felt so good about that. Like, and then I used encounter plays. We're, we're playing checkers, and Roman's playing chess over there. <laughs> <laughs> Vandal Savage. So, I thought Roz was in here, though. I think he or is. Or it's like the son of him Somewhere. or something. Somewhere. Yeah, but you got Luthor, Catwoman, Riddler. Why, why is she there? Like we have, she's a villain. But is she that high level to be with them? Well, the Riddler's in there. Is Apparently, he that oh, yeah, that's true. She's his plus one. It's yeah. Oh, that okay. That's why you're thinking Ra's al Ghul. His his son apparently. Yeah. Ibn al, however you say that. The so, foosh. so you got Lex Luthor leading this whole thing, getting shaved, and then the big twist reveal is you got the man shaving him to be none other than Shazam. Oh, yeah. Billy Batson. Yeah. And he's just uh, he's Billy Batson. He's Billy Batson now. He's like, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, Mr. Luthor. He's just like that crony kind of personality right now. He's always he's, smiling. Always smiling. Uh, See, so then, yeah, we're now going back to Meanwhile with Superman. This scene is so, like, 90s. This dark bar with everybody wearing, like, black leather. It reminds and, me of, like, the Tim like, Burton Hall Batman. It does. Uh, <laughs> So again, this underground yeah. meta-human bar <laughs> where all the young people, where all the young cool people hang out. And also some of the old, like, like senior citizen creeper. <laughs> and apparently old Lobo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing oh, yeah. He's wearing his bite me he fanboy like shirt. Juice. He does. <laughs> it's just, it is just a strange... It's quite a scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All around. Like, one of the pages, there's some kind of weird, like, bug dragon thing in the background. Uh, just it's just odd. Muscle devil. <laughs> There's a muscle devil with a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> and like one just super buff. And oh, and and some of the jokes. I mean, do you see on the top of this one page? The guys in the background. It's the village. It's the band, the village people. Except apparently they're wow. superheroes. Where we're at? Oh, right here at the top. Uh, like uh, there's the winged, 86. the winged 86. dude that looks like a kind of like a Native American. Oh, next oh, to the wow. biker yeah. guy with the big handlebar mustache. I did not see that. Yeah, and at first I was like, wait a minute, that's the village people. That's great. Oh I my love gosh, that. that is amazing. <laughs> so we're in this amazing '90s pop culture reference 
metal bar. I see Plastic Man in there too, sorry. And uh, America's (laughs) number one ogre-bearing father shows up, Superman. And uh, they're not serving cold milk, they're serving alcohol, and he's not about that, so he vaporizes it. And with his heat vision and he, like record stop, scratch, music definitely stops playing. And he tells all of them to get it together and that they need to stop drinking and that they should join him. So <laughs> he leaves and then they all start talking and they are uh, talking about what they should do. Some of them want to go, some of them don't. And then uh, Green Arrow shows up leaning against a wall. Real cool. Yeah. He's looking very Robin Hood-esque in this. He looks awesome. And I love the fact that he's the his dialogue. So you heard Big Blue's pitch. Now for the Democratic response. Yeah. I feel like (laughs) the the Democratic by the social like by the one fascist. I feel like this (laughs) book is challenging because it can be split into two separate podcasts. One of just like what's going on in the story and then two just kind of pointing out every single Easter egg (laughs) character and you're like, I see what might be one of the Wonder Twins as a one of the bartenders oh yeah in a suit and i'm like man now i know what happened to the wonder twins after you know super friends falling on hard times here very very yeah and seeing which ones like some of these characters later became well like the red robin outfit but like this one lightning woman that's all yellow i think they later added her in as like steel's actual daughter oh In the comics. Well, so now she's in a metal suit. Yeah, she's in a... Or maybe that's suit. the other daughter. He has two daughters. I know in the Rebirth, because I didn't know about his daughter, or it's his niece. That was niece. Yeah, his right. niece, which I didn't know. I don't know anything about Steel. I think his character is very interesting, how he came up after Death of Superman. Yeah. I was happy he was in the Superwoman comics, because he's a very interesting character. I'm sad that there's not much of him left. Oh, geez, and I got but, that wrong. Not Steel. Black Lightning's. This is Black, Black Lightning. Lightning's daughter. That Okay, that makes more sense, because, yeah, yeah he Nowadays, has Lightning. But from uh, this. <laughs> but I do like Steel's daughter, or niece, in the current DC continuity, yeah. who also goes by Steel. Yeah, She's very cool. In the Titans it just felt like it was a little clunky introducing her in Rebirth, but mm. really good. And mm. I hope Steel comes back, because I like. I don't know much about how his suit works, his like organic metal, but it's yeah, really he cool. he built it. I, I don't know. He built it, but yeah. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, you wrong. could. No worries. We'll get back to it. And Shadowlass is in here. She's, she's one of the Legion of Superheroes. Anyway. <laughs> so we go up. We're still with Norman Inspector and the uh, giant floating emerald kingdom. Space, yeah. Space Citadel. There's even, there's even upside down cities, which is even more cool. <laughs> I mean, in space, it doesn't matter, right? It does indeed. Space is the place, brother. So there's a giant uh, round table with all of the heroes who are in Superman's faction, and they are talking about their progress. And we get a little bit flashed down to all the international progress that's been going on. Uh, since they were prioritizing America first, like Americans do. Uh, and then they go international with their uh, mission of peace, question mark. And they're talking about how Superman's also been very stressed with all this uh, political pressure. We then have uh, Wonder Woman and Superman again talking and having a little bit of conflict about how extreme they should fight about whether they should take more drastic measures than what Superman's saying. And they go together to Aquaman's, or Atlantis, to talk with Aquaman about asking for his help. And Aquaman, he looks so old. 
like those 10 years of like being king of the seven seas were not kind to him. I feel like it's been a lot longer or I mean, it's been 10 years since Superman left and they said all of it, like that was the first domino. I guess, but that doesn't really set the tone of how old they all were. I mean, they could have been pretty old. I mean, they all are really old. You saw Batman. He's in an exoskeleton suit, just that, super old. And but that gray. would make sense. Cause Batman's lived uh, a little bit of a rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, if you, yeah. even if you look at uh, what looks like red arrow and I'm guessing Donna Troy in one of these pages, on the next page after Aquaman, I mean, even they look super old. Yeah, so it, everybody is very old. Yeah, I kept on getting the impression that this this must be like twenty years had passed, maybe, and then the Kansas thing happened, and then Superman yeah exiled himself kind of, and then ten more years passed. I, I'm not sure if maybe it was like we don't know how old they were when it happened. That's when, what I'm when, saying. When like it started falling apart. Uh, but everybody's old. Yeah, Just that's, keep that in mind. That's, that's it's what a bunch, I, of, it's a bunch yeah. of old white heroes arguing yeah. about what to do. God, I can't believe uh, Superman and Wonder Woman go to Atlantis to ask Aquaman if they can put a prison in the, in the ocean <laughs> for, yeah. for superhumans in Atlantis. It's like, geez, man. Uh, and Aquaman is definitely not about it. And yeah. I kind of feel him. <laughs> yeah, I'm about it too. Thanks. Yeah, I wouldn't Thank let him you, do Aquaman, that. for he, saying no. He said a good line. Uh, what happens is they ask for the superhero prison and. Aquaman says, "Why should that's not my problem? I already have to like dominion over far more space and issues than you both of you do, and that uh, they shouldn't have to deal with the surface world's waste, which is totally true." Yeah. Only if we had a real Aquaman to fight for the world's oceans. We need it. We need it. Uh, so yeah, we get to see Magog got found. Uh, I didn't realize, though, too, that apparently... Oh, no, this is an older... It's like a flashback of a Superman with his ponytail still. Not as long, but we find out what happened with the Joker. And what set off the whole thing with Superman and Magog. Also highly injustice-orientated, because yes. it talks... It doesn't directly say it, but really strongly implies that Lois Lane was killed. Because we know that she's dead, but we don't... They never directly say why, mm-hmm. but she died by the Joker during an attack on the Daily Planet, which is, yeah. again, injustice, because in Injustice, the Joker is directly responsible for killing Lois Lane. Except in this, yeah. Superman didn't kill. It was Magog. He didn't get the chance to. He didn't, yeah. Yeah, because Magog did it first. So, I like the fact that he draws this Joker as the Jack Nicholson yeah. Joker. <laughs> I like how the Joker is always the one. Like He's always the big, the biggest testament, because he is probably the DC's boogeyman. Oh, like yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's always the ultimate source where does your philosophy actually work in the real world? Mm-hmm. So Superman did not kill the Joker, and he is mad at Magog for doing so. And after that, uh, Magog got off in a, in a trial, and Superman lost faith after that, which shows that he's really, really idealistic if he is fighting for the imprisonment of the person who killed the killer of his wife. Uh, so we get back to uh, Kansas where Magog's been uh, in kind of the nuclear wasteland that was uh, where Kansas used to be. And they start fighting against him. And Superman just beats him really fast or like Magog tries to attack and doesn't really do anything to Superman, which Shows you what a badass Superman is. Yeah, well, he definitely taunts Magog because you know, like Magog's already, or sorry, Maggie. He's uh, like already, you know, bitter about what happened. He's like pointing to all the destruction. He's like, this is basically what I represent now. 
like for being the hero and yeah it's this like he's feeling guilty he's feeling like he's already he's like being mocked and punished enough by superman without superman being there kind of thing and he just he kind of just gives up like he just feels super guilty about all the people who died and then superman has a really dramatic uh george clooney moment where he's looking down and then he sort of dramatically looks up and he says we're at war so yeah. good. So good. Yeah, Wonder Woman's <laughs> shocked. She's shocked. Oh, and here's here's that second Sam and Jack Kirby one standing here. I just realized that's him. Which page? On that overhead scene after Magog. Oh, know, that's him right there? Knees. That yeah, that's, dude with the cape? Flowing yeah, cape? Uh-huh. yeah so yellow and red. Yeah. Oh. So we then flash forward to Apocalypse, <clears throat> where we find out that Orion, one of the new gods, who that's a whole thing. So Orion, Darkseid's adopted son. Uh, no, Darkseid's real son. Oh, is it his real son? Yeah, yeah. right. It is real, real son, son traded for Scott Free, yep. aka Mr. Miracle. Long story. He's Darkseid's son. He looks like Darkseid now. He does, especially when he's seen from behind with a dramatic shadowing over him. Yeah. So yeah. we find out that Apocalypse has been uh, ruled by Orion, and that he actually did he kill Darkseid and ups, like absorb him? Yeah. So he uh, is now Darkseid, and he and Superman are talking because Superman wants guidance since he could essentially become how Orion is with Apocalypse because yeah. he is so powerful. And he's asking him also to do the same thing. He's like, that, he asked Aquaman, like, hey, can you take these people? And even Orion's like, no, that's not our problem. But they give him, they give him something or they give Scott Free something to do, to do about it. Mm-hmm. And Scott Free also similarly kind of looks more like High Father. Which is his dad. Yeah, that one doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Oh, yeah. He's got High Father's staff. High Father's staff, like kind of the beard. Yeah. Both, both sons take on the roles of the father. So we then go back to Earth with uh, the construction of... Do they call it the Gulag? Is that actually what they call it? Yeah. So they call it the Gulag, which I don't know how I feel about that, uh, since the Gulag was the Russian death camps. But they do call it that, so... Yeah. It's uh, a little heavy-handed, but... So well, ma- Superman calls it a stronghold of justice. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Both are pretty strong-handed, one way or the other. <laughs> so they create this stronghold of gulags, and... Gulag. <laughs> it's a fun word to say, so I'm so sad it has a horrible geno- genocidal-like connotation. Yeah. So uh, that's happening, and we get a little flash-forward. Norman's just been watching all of this. He's basically in the background of every single picture with the specter. And they flash to the evil human council. Mm-hmm. And then Batman shows up in his little mech suit and business professional suit at the same time. And he agrees to start working with Lex Luthor. And the villains. Which is, you know, not typical of Batman. And then we get to chapter three. Chapter yes. three. It's so up creepy. In Billy Bats in the background just grinning like that. It's just, it's just, he's just so he's happy to be there. He's the creepiest looking guy his in the grin. whole book. Yeah, when it shows him at the beginning and he's sitting in his chair, his like creepy grin, mm-hmm. he's just full of it. He's full of it in this book. Uh, so yeah, chapter three, Up in the Sky. We It's like a, a sl- semi-flash forward, I guess, because the gulag's up, mm-hmm. which looks very much like the, the hall of the... The oh, it does. Hall yeah, of Doom. Hall of Doom. Yeah. Hall of Doom. <laughs> it also kind of looks like Darth Stronghold Vader's... Stronghold of Justice. <laughs> it looks like Darth Vader's helmet, but with, like, mech legs in it. Yeah. It doesn't look like a Stronghold of Justice. It does not it look... It looks no more piece. like a... Like, it falls more on the gulag on yeah. the spectrum of prisons. 
Uh, we also get, you know, Norman Priest getting more of his visions. Uh, some stuff happening. There's a man in lightning going on. Uh, let we, me talk. We get a bunch of the young rebels in this really beautifully made Greek-looking city just fighting each other. Yeah. Because uh, they are full attention. And we find out that uh, Scott Free, Mr. Miracle, the greatest escape artist, is also the world's greatest jail warden yeah keeping him in and it's already the, that's such a cool idea the prison's already full I mean yeah if you've got somebody that knows how to escape everything might as well employ him to be the one that does all the security only he would know what he can't get out of uh, yeah so it's filled to the brim they discuss that it's getting too full tensions boiling inside this thing people are getting riled up because they want to get out and they also haven't really been given any sort of due process there's no direct rehabilitation program outlined at all they're not given direct time sentences they've just sort of been located here mm -hmm. and so a big hologram of superman shows up where he says hey you can either join us up with us or you can stay here and you can be willing to learn how to be an actual hero but a lot of people are not happy about this because they want to be out or they view their own sense of justice or the way that they're doing it as being okay all right, let's see what we got here. So more arguing. Um, we see a bunch of international heroes, which I wonder if those are... Are there any Easter eggs in there? Like the um, Japanese samurai, or the... I want to say samurai, maybe I Chinese warrior. I think he warrior. was created for the... This, that's Kabusumo, or Kabuki, whatever he was created for this. And the German guy, Von Bach, is new to this. Let's talk but about... this guy, the astronaut dude in the red, I think that's Captain Comet. Interesting. Who's an old guy from the 50s any, DC character. Any comments on the bottom left character on the bottom page? Do you mean the glowing Rastafarian? <laughs> oh, the hippie uh, dude? With, with hippie the pot dude. leaf? <laughs> what is his superpower, you think? <laughs> like, do you think he is just the, the air? He is just the vapor? Yeah. Oh, and his shirt is a reference, too. Cud. I remember that was, a, that was some underground comic. <laughs> uh, maybe he has, like, a high touch, like... He's just too dangerous to like be around anybody because he's like in the kids high or something. Oh my gosh, jeez. So, so a whole <laughs> I like how he tries. Characters. He's the one that asks, you know, the German von Bach, "Are you all right, man?" And von Bach just shoves him out of the way. <laughs> Poor uh, hippie. <laughs> so then we got you know a council of higher beings. They looking do over they things. just show up this one time and that's it? Yeah, I, it's just kind of more context of like other people are looking on and observing. They don't want to deal oh. with it. Uh, dead man's here. So, wait, wait. Looking so, more dead than man. I do want to ask about these councils. So we got one of the original uh, Green Lanterns, Guards of the Universe. Yeah, it's, not, it's not the galaxy. Yeah, it's Ganthet. Ganthet. Uh, High Father, you've got... Is the monitor there? No, the uh, monitor's not there. Uh, one of them looks like High the, Father, the Shazam wizard. That's, that's the wizard Shazam, yeah. Wizard Shazam. I don't know who the other one is. The other one's supposed to be like... Is one of them the entity? Uh... Because I always think that character is really interesting, or that, like the actual god that they sometimes give physical form. The DC universe, I don't know. He's the entity. A hat, like, yeah, I don't know if that's the Phantom Stranger. Or who I, that's that what is. I was gonna. Th I, I couldn't think of the name, but I think that's what it might be. I like the idea. DC has kind of brought this idea back. Like recently, I think Ganthet showed up with some other council, kind of like that. And yeah, something. uh, not Ganthet. Uh, a different guardian. It's mm -hmm. in the Supergirl run that's going right yeah. now after. 
Bendis took over, and there was another council that supposedly knows what's going on with Krypton's destruction. Mm. Yeah. And the whole thing is, instead of telling Supergirl when she found a message recorded to him that he could talk to and he was aware of her, he's like, instead of me telling you, you have to go look for five secret crystals around the universe yeah. and then listen to them and destroy them. And that's the plot. And I'm still down with it, but he could have probably just told her right off the bat. Probably, yeah. I mean, but I'm happy she gets to keep the cool axe. Yeah, that, that's an awesome uh, series. <laughs> so, yeah, you got Dead Man, who's looking more dead than man. I love how he's drawn Dead Man. It is so beautiful, and he's so spooky but fun yeah. at the same time. And he's also, he is aware of Norman Priest and the Spectre, where everybody else doesn't seem to notice them. Yeah. He kind of just is like, hey, what's going on? You guys... Hanging out, checking this out too. Yeah, that's really cool. He's he's also Dead just Man's an observer. a ghost too. Yeah. Or, well, yeah, I like how desiccated he looks. Yeah. Even his costume. Um, we go to Superman and Wonder Woman sitting on the exterior of the Emerald Citadel in space. It's a romantic moment. Why are they wearing masks? Can they not breathe in space? Uh, I don't think they can. No, they can't. Okay. Because I, I I don't know if Superman can nowadays, but there was a time for it's a like, while where it's he It's back and breathe. forth. Yeah. Like, even in the new one, I think he is back to holding his breath, but there was times in New 52 where he didn't. Hmm. It, it's, yeah. all, it's all over the place. Maybe they've just been talking for a long time. They can't hold their breath that long. Uh, you want to talk about what's going on with Shazam? Uh... Yeah, so... After that tender moment, it goes from a good, like, mix of love to... Well, they're also debating about, like, you know, degrees of violence and, like, yeah. how far they can go. But it is kind of romantic. It is. And I love that they're, sk- they're, like, skipping stones like regular people would across the lake, but they're skipping stones and, like, bursting asteroids, <laughs> small asteroids and meteors with them. It's probably, like, the same equivalent of joy for, like, us as them, because skipping a regular stone for them is probably so trivial. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So we get to see Shazam, who is in this incredibly dark and gray, mad scientist straight out of Dr. <clears throat> Frankenstein like movies with Lex Luthor. And Lex Luthor is really creepily singing us the Worms Crawl and the Worms Crawl Out song uh, and is seen putting mind control earworms into Shazam to make him into a puppet form. Yeah, and he's yeah brainwashing him. To, yeah, he's basically just brainwashing him with propaganda footage and then, yeah, putting these worms in his ears, preventing him from saying his name so he can break free of it. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Batman's watching. Which I guess it was created by Savannah, but they're also a nod to uh, Mr. Mind, mm-hmm. an old Captain Marvel villain that was a worm. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. Meanwhile, you got Batman who's just spying on everything from one of his bat bat drones. <laughs> I love that bat drone. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got your council meeting here of Batman's group of people that he's recruited with some some Easter egg characters. you got a Green Lantern in there. you got a Kid Flash. you got a, a Wildcat. you got Lex Luthor's group of people. Uh, everybody's just kind of hanging out, getting ready to talk about the final the final phase Wait, of what's can happening. We, can we talk about Martian Manhunter being there? Oh, and is he? He's uh, in disguise, and... The Spectre and Norman oh, are there, and that's right. the Spectre uh, is talking about Martian Manhunter, and Norman can't see, but he like lifts a lifts like, a, like an invisible a like veil. veil, yeah, and I we s- can see that uh, Martian Manhunter has been there, and that Martian Manhunter has decided to basically live as a human. It mm-hmm. seems like, and that he's been really traumatized from his superheroing. 
which I thought was so interesting, and mm -hmm. I wanted so much more of that storyline. So we got this big mingling of people. Uh, Shazam's being super creepy, as always, and everybody is really scared of Shazam. Mm -hmm. Do they know that he's Shazam, or do they just know that he's like super powerful? I think they know he's Shazam. Yeah, I think they do. They're just not sure what he's doing or where he's been kind of thing. He's given a wide berth at the party. Yeah. So we go up and we see Superman uh, doing a scan of the Earth country by country to monitor trouble. He is a living brother eye, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then we have the heroes talking behind him about uh, their feelings about how everything's going. And he can hear everything. And then all of a sudden, our witness, Norman, who has had very little direct contact with the heroes, is so interestingly pulled in by the Flash, who can see between dimensions or other planes of reality. Mm -hmm. And he's physically brought into the Emerald Citadel where all the superheroes are gathered together. Superman and everybody ask, hey, who are you? And he appears to just be a normal human. And he tries to explain that judgment's coming but they are not about it and they don't believe in him. And then, let's see. Is this when uh, the prison, the gulag starts getting broken open? Yeah, the gulag okay. starts to, oh, yeah. people are starting to break out. They've gone berserk. Uh, there's a riot going on, so they're like, get down there, because if the riot keeps going, they're going to bust out of it. And this is when we start to see uh, some of Superman and Wonder Woman's dynamic coming to a head because Superman wants to gather them up and kind of maintain what's been happening. But Wonder Woman wants to go make some more final decisions because she views them as being worthy of being put to death if they're uh, so dangerous and not following their rules. Then we go back to the Human Council, and what we see is that Batman bat-trays uh, Lex Luthor and uh, he's been plotting their demise the whole time, and then he has his group of metahumans and skilled warriors fight against the council, and they start capturing them and gathering them together. Uh, Lex Luthor runs off, and is that Batman chasing him, or is that? That's Ted Kord chasing him. Oh, so Blue Beetle uh, starts chasing him, and then they get him? Uh, yeah, they get to Lex Luthor, but then you've got Shazam running from Batman, who's trying to snap him out of it, and then he busts open a tank of worms on accident, which Ugh. sets him off. Yeah, yeah that my was, fear. My Yeah, I felt so gross after looking at that panel, and just, like, the fear that even one little worm could cause. Yeah. So he busts free, and then he takes off. You've got Wonder Woman suiting up for battle, Superman getting ready. Has she worn this battle outfit before, Roman? Because I thought it was so interesting. I really liked um. it. She became Hawk Woman. I think maybe kind of variations on it had appeared before, but Alex Ross made it his own design. I think she's had like the 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 wings before, but not this cool hawk helmet. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I wish that I would see more of it. And then we get a big fight between Superman and Wonder Woman in front of all the heroes. And Wonder Woman saying, basically half of you come with me or come with me if you believe that we need to have a more permanent solution to what's happening with the younger generation and they kind of divide uh, Superman and Wonder Woman have a very awkward kiss 
Yeah. Where it, it's like just a kiss goodbye. Yeah, the devoid of passion is what it says because, yeah, Superman finally is starting to come to his senses a little bit more. Like, no, we shouldn't kill them. You shouldn't be going to this extreme. There's got to be a different option. And then Wonder Woman's like, nah, I got my I got my good sword out. And she uh, got her uh, magic sword that <laughs> yeah. strips electrons off of atoms. Yeah. So this is where Superman's like, damn, Batman was right yeah. again. And that art is so good, the panel where... I mean, he's say, she's saying they must surrender, and and he asks if they refuse, then it's war. But you can't have a war without people dying, mm-hmm. is what he says. And the heroes and Wonder Woman, the way she looks at him, and there's no dialogue or anything, but just the, it's so well done, because you know, and she's just got this look of like, yeah, obviously, Duh. idiot. <laughs> That's what this is about. So Superman, after Wonder Woman goes off to fight at the Gulag, he rushes off immediately to Batman. And they start getting into a small little pissing contest as they do about their philosophies and everything that's going on. And Batman says, I'm not going to help you, right? Or, let's see. I think it says he's not, that he's, he finds out, he tells Superman that uh, Shazam has been brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And he says that we really can't do anything to help you out. And then Superman dashes off to the fight of the battle uh, at the prison. And at the prison, the exterior of it has been cracked open, and the uh, prisoners are out. So all these forces are coming together, and the Spectre Norman are saying, oh, crap, this is the Armageddon is starting to like actively happen. All the warning signs have come to this. And Shazam shows up on the battlefield, and he is so bright in color. He looks so all-American, but he is so spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish they'd go back to, you know, because nowadays he's called Shazam, but Shazam is... Was the wizard's name because now he's apparently the wizard. Yeah, but I prefer that you're a wizard, Billy. Yeah, I go by Captain Marvel. Yeah, I prefer that his name be Captain Marvel because that's what it was for the first. 60 I mean, give, years it, of give his it some life. time. They've had some. They've had some Easter eggs yeah. in Marvel and DC where he might apparently be part of the Marvel universe. So you <laughs> yeah. know, wait for wait for those rights to get purchased, and then it'll it'll all come full circle. Yeah. And it looks like through him they'll eat each other and become a mega universe. <laughs> Basically, so this is probably my favorite comic book issue in this whole story uh, so we start the issue again with some more uh, Bible verses mm-hmm. and we see this vague war scene between shadowed figures just going at each other and then the next page is my favorite page of the whole comic where we get a full double page spread with a giant battle scene between uh, Superman's forces and the prison escapees mm-hmm. and it's just spectacular i think that's just the only way all the line work the level of detail the depth that you see the controlled use of color that you they use the same colors throughout mm-hmm. it's great uh, and then we get to the next page where the fight's still going on inspector and norman are talking about what's happening inspector starts sort of giving away why he needs Norman there uh, regarding judgment. So the fight's still going on. Superman and Shazam meet on the battlefield, and uh, a universal theme of Superman is that he's always sort of weak to magic. And Shazam is powered by magic, so not a good matchup for Superman. 
Yep. And so it looks like Superman uh, might potentially lose this fight. We then go to a flash forward of what I'm assuming is the UN, a giant uh, building full of different people all looking at a blueprint, and the humans are talking about what can they possibly do about this giant superhero war that's happening. And one of them advocates for uh, sending a nuclear missile. And so the order's been sent, and the guy goes back to his office, and he has a really sad, defeated look on his face. Yeah, because he's the only one petitioning to stop it, Mm because everybody else seems to be in favor. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so he's regretting going into his office, watching this happen. I like the fact that the pilot that's going to deliver it is is Black Black Hawk. Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. So Three missiles. One's not enough. They're superheroes. (laughs) Yeah. It's triple tap. Yeah. Oh, and look, his dialogue, he says we're at the flashpoint of human existence. Ooh. Ah, flashpoint. Can't escape it. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to the battle seat, uh, battlefield, and it's still cool. It's just great. It's just like a visual treat for the eyes. And it looks like it's just all going downhill. And then the Dark Angel himself appears, Batman. Well, two things. It looks like they're coming out of the DC version of Cloak. <laughs> teleporting out of a dude with a cape. Also, once again, creepy smile on his face. Who, Batman? Yes. Yeah. He, he, well, you know, he probably hasn't had like actual hand-to-hand combat in so long. He, he's so excited to get his hands dirty again, bloodied again. Goodness. <laughs> I also like that uh, there's a couple of them rappelling down from rope, like Green Arrow, but his rope is just coming out of a light in the sky. Yeah, you have no idea what it's attached <laughs> like, to. What's he holding on to? It's hash magic. Uh... <laughs> So the battle scene becomes even more chaotic now with three different forces coming together. Uh, And what we have is Wonder Woman's team is focusing on using excessive violence to put down the prisoners. Prisoners are trying to escape, and Batman's team is kind of playing a mediator where they are fighting, but they're trying to reduce casualties. They're trying to de-escalate things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman kills a guy. With yeah, a straight up through the chest with a sword. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> with her magic sword. Mm-hmm. And uh, that guy falls dead, and they keep fighting. Batman starts kind of chastising Wonder Woman about why she did that. And then Wonder Woman, because of uh, Batman calling her out, starts focusing her attention on him. One of, the, one of my favorite shots is because of all this dark and, like, destruction and war and everything... Such a big, giant contrast from, like, the last couple chapters is when Wonder Woman and Batman get launched up into the sky, and they pierce through the clouds, Mm -hmm. and they're up, like, above the clouds in blue sky, and everything's super bright. I love how differently it's changed from all these, like, like, all this dark color and, like, flashing lights to just very, like, simple, nothing around. Like, you can imagine, like, the silence of being up so high and, like, away from everything, and then them still arguing... And then just Batman's first non's creepy smile, his creepy frown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's frowning because they spot the three uh, drones or uh, flying. Are they, are they planes or are they drones? I think they're planes. I, th- I, don't, I don't think drones were around. Yeah, sci fi. That's definitely a missile that's pointing, not a. Uh... Yeah, I assume they were planes because yeah. earlier we saw the black pilot. Oh, okay, yeah. Pilot. So 
we got three planes that are carrying some very heavy artillery, the three missiles that were approved earlier by the UN. And Batman and Wonder Woman realize that this needs to be taken care of. We then go back down to the hellish battlefield uh, where Superman is fighting Shazam, and his heat vision looks so good in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, Superman's trying to keep him away from Shazam, away from him since he is very weak to magic. But and it's kind of working. But then all of a sudden, Shazam yells out his name, and a giant bolt of lightning comes down. And he keeps doing it over and over and over again. And it actually draws the attention of a lot of the combatants, which uh, would make sense. Yeah. I love that sequence. And then later on did this in the, what was it, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon? Where Superman and or, and Captain Marvel fought, and Captain Marvel did the same thing. Uh, yeah, he showed yeah. up in it, and that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we go back up to the bright blue sky where death is fast approaching. And Superman and Wonder Woman are uh, trying to determine what they need to do, and they realize these are nukes, and they move forward and they start fighting them. Superman or Batman's using guns, uh, and Wonder Woman is cutting through the planes to take them out, but one gets through. I always one to get through. You know when there's a two to three ratio, one's gonna. This get is through. really cool. And Batman, he's got whatever these bat wings are, letting him fly, and he's got bat lasers on them. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's my thing. Is I'm always so confused, like why they never have Batman just always in a mech suit? Because it makes Batman would never. He's always so prepared. Why wouldn't he just have a full mech suit yeah, at all times? It'd be so efficient. Iron Bat. That I would want give him protection. Uh, so we go back down to the battlefield. Superman is down on the ground, eyes are bleeding, and Shazam's just over him saying his name over and over and over again, like a Pokemon. And uh, Superman gets up and he covers Shazam's mouth and he sees about the worms. And right at this time, uh, the drone is falling and Spectre has a really spooky big skull in his eye. It's time. (laughs) And he then says that the judgment time has come, and uh, the missile is going to fall down. And then I was kind of confused by this part, actually. So did he say that it's up to Norman to decide what should happen? Yeah. Yeah. So would hit, would Norman's decision impact the result of the heroes? Because Spectre doesn't really do anything in response to Norman, right? Mm-mm. So I'm not, I was really unclear by that. I took it as, like, the decision that Norman makes is gonna mitigate if he chooses depending on what he chooses will mitigate the amount of destruction and death and did he actually make a decision or did he just sort of like stammer through it and then it happened he he didn't leave it up to him because he talks about it right here the superhumans are mankind one will pl- one will pay the ultimate price uh the is not for me to make i'm not a god um so, and it's the same, like, I think it's, like, the same time that Superman makes that decision, too. It's not up to him, because he's not, he's not above humans' lives, and that's why he puts it in Billy's hands right here, where he is giving him this huge lecture, and he's like, this is up to you, because you are a man, and you are also a hero, and then you need to, you need to decide this, because it comes down, it comes down to what he wants. Like, let me go save people, or let this happen. So it's kind of Norman and Superman kind of coming together in what they're thinking mm-hmm. and then turning it into dialogue right at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I understand it's a pretty high stress situation, 
But I would probably maybe ask Superman in hindsight, did you think leaving the fate of everybody up to a man-child who has brains gooed up by evil worms for years would be the best person to make this decision? Well, that was the part right yes. there was... <laughs> It wasn't he was saying, Billy, go save us. It was getting Billy to decide to let Superman go do it mm -hmm. because he left Billy there and it was saying, decide, like, either stop me or let me go do it. Billy kind of went the ultimate extra step by transforming and then saving Superman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, Which was, was beautiful because yeah. his old Captain Marvel's old tagline was Earth's mightiest mortal. Mm -hmm. And so many times him and Superman have fought and different ones have won, but the dialogue with Norman and him and Superman both realizing, well, Norman realizing I'm just a man, Superman realizing I'm more of a god than a man, but Billy's both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so and he, he symbolizes humanity, he, the, best, the best of humanity. And he, you know, made the ultimate sacrifice, which was very cool. So he flies up, throws Superman out of the way, and just Pokemons himself enough times where lightning comes down and <laughs> destroys the bomb. Downside. So the bomb <laughs> blows up. We get this giant smoke over the field, and we get Superman screaming out. And my second favorite, which wow. is probably a bad reflection on me of the whole comic, is we see the battlefield covered in the skeletons of a bunch of heroes who died from the fallout from the bomb. R.I.P. Blue Beetle. I know. I, I was kind of having fun. Uh, again, looks bad on me if I say I was having fun looking through to decide who the dead were. No, it is... Who's the dragon? Is there a giant or a dragon? There's a dragon. Okay, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Very there, cool scene. Yeah, there was a giant who I think was all the metal men combined, maybe. Yeah. And I'm wondering who who this one because this one dude guy here was looks like he was like uh, uh, turned to stone. Yeah, by the blast, he wasn't you've actually got, killed. You've also or got the long killed, spine running between from the top of Blue Beetle up to the like middle of the page. Like, oh like, yeah, I oh. see. <laughs> like whatever that was. Oh well, it's attached to a rib cage with arms. It must be either plastic man or elongated man. Oh, oh my, my gosh, God. I didn't know his ribs he's all stretched out. <laughs> I didn't know his ribs like multiplied and extended too. Roman, that's a great observation. Maybe Jeez. plastic man is just like a big thing of melted plat, like goo. Oh, like step. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it. elongated man. Yeah, plastic man is just a puddle. Ugh. So it's, uh, we go back to Superman after he's done screaming on the battlefield, and he is pissed. Yeah. And his eyes are red, and then he zooms off, and we see that not all the heroes died, that some of them were protected by magic, but it looks like Dr. Fate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the Spectre and Norman are talking, and Norman is just really upset about what's going on, and he says that we need to go do something, and that Superman would be basically come the Superman from Injustice. And become like a totalitarian dictator because he's going to the UN to lay down some pain. So they teleport there. Superman is tearing apart the UN, and all of the humans are freaking out. And then uh, Norman does he materialize in there? Yeah, I guess so. He gets he becomes physical and he starts calling out to Superman, and he. Tells him, please don't kill all these people. Calm down. Uh, you're not, like, don't put all this pressure on yourself. And they start, uh, let's see. He starts talking about just, like, all of his observations. And a bunch of the heroes, the old old gods, uh, <laughs> show up. Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern. And 
uh, Superman explains what happens, and he's really happy to see that some of his friends didn't get vaporized. And then he starts talking about how they can do better in the future because of the situation, because since some of them did survive, the same issues could possibly come up again if they don't learn from their history. And Batman takes off his mask. Diana, for some reason, takes off her crown, I guess, in solidarity with Superman. And not only that, but other heroes were doing it, too. Like, you see Green Lantern takes off... Yeah, Green Lantern takes off his mask. A couple other heroes in the back that can't take off theirs. I'm trying to piggyback off this big thing going on. Look at me. And then uh, <laughs> you, got, you got, like, a tiny flash forward of what's been going on since. So we see that Batman has traded in black for white and now he's the white knight all of his Gotham robots are all of his robots are white robots too i feel like that's almost scarier uh and he has been working he's turned his house into a big hospital and is helping all the wounded we find out that wonder woman who had previously been stripped of her uh her station yeah her uh mission because she was deemed a failure is reinstated as royalty and as wonder woman again and there's a big discussion, which I think is really interesting, where they decide that the best way to manage this human, meta-human world is to kind of bridge them together, mm-hmm. that the meta-humans actually need to start participating in human political like structures and institutions, So because the humans are still concerned about their lack of power in this meta-human-driven world. We then go to a giant scene where Superman has been creating a giant memorial for, so for the everybody in Kansas, or is it just everybody in uh, who died in the battle? I think it was. And that's a lot of great. I think sounds. it's for everybody in the battle and in Kansas because the bomb was in Kansas. Yeah. Both yeah. bombs were in Kansas, basically. Yeah, I so. guess. Yeah, man, nobody should live in Kansas for a while. Jesus, not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Don't live in Kansas, not anymore. Uh, yeah, I like his big plow. You get Spectre... And his dog. Spectre reveals his human face, and you see him at the... at Norman Priest's service, sitting in the front row seat. Big fan. I feel like... Uh, is that confused? Like, hey, Norman, where were you all that time? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot yeah, happening. Probably, right but there are a lot of little things in here that aren't kind of met- mentioned that you're like, hey, yeah. what about... <laughs> but let's, uh... I mean, the best way to end this is wrapping up in my favorite place in the whole book, Planet Krypton. <laughs> in the one year later chapter. So we get a nice little epilogue. A lot of fan service since epilogue. Oh, yeah. Where uh, Superman and Wonder Woman in clothing, in normal pedestrian clothing, minus the giant bracers that Wonder Woman has on, show up at Planet Krypton, and they're talking about how everything's been going and that they're waiting for Batman to show up. Batman then shows up out of nowhere um, and surprises Superman. He still he still has in his old age. Mm-hmm. And he sits down, and they start, again, talking more about this new reality that they live in and how everybody orders different drinks. Batman wants black coffee and a lot of it. Superman wants milk, and one of them wants water. Mm-hmm. We also get some of the menu items, which I'm looking on this page before they actually say some. There's the Mitzelpitalik mozzarella sticks. They talk about the special Power Girl chicken sandwich, the Dial H for hoagie. <laughs> I love that one. The Starro casserole. I love that one. And the Mano beef. The Man of Beef, <laughs> which would probably be the one 
it sounds like the most protein. Uh, I'd be getting that one. Or the Starro casserole. I do like a good uh, good pasta. So those would be my choices. Uh, yeah, I like this uh, I like this chapter. You find out one woman is pregnant. And she's put on a few pounds. Uh, Batman. Batman he, he, he is, has no social intelligence. Batman is the greatest detective while he's cutting his steak, just not even not even, you know, any surprise in him. But the biggest surprise he gets <laughs> when he finds out that they want him to be the godfather. Mm-hmm. There's and a big Bruce hugging moment. It's super cute. And they all walk out together, super happy. And you get to see uh, Spectre. The Spectre. Spinach and cottage cheese. That's a Spectre platter. That's the closest we come to finding out what's in one of these dishes. <laughs> That's a Spectre platter. Look at it this way. It's flattering to be remembered somehow. Uh, so, yeah. Kingdom Come. Uh, what a story. It's definitely a mouthful. There, there's so much happening in it that's even hard just to like talk about it since every single panel has so much to digest. There, yeah, there's a lot going on. Like Alex Roth, Alex Ross fills in the page, and Mark Wade did a like really amazing job doing the story. Uh, I should probably, since I said some of the stuff that Alex Ross did, and name off just a few things that Mark Wade did for books uh, for people that may have read some of his other stuff that would like to read Kingdom Come. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, he has done. Da, 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 da. He's done Daredevil. He's done all new, all different Avengers, Spider Man Family, JLA Year One, which was really good. Uh, Avengers No Surrender, JLA Tower of Babel. He oh. did that one. Yeah. That was Grant Morrison. I guess I think Grant... that was right after Morrison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's done Archie. He's done Fantastic Four, Impulse, Captain America, Operation Rebirth. So he's one of those people who bounces back and forth between them. Yeah, he's done some Incredibles comics. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, He wrote, I think he wrote FF when, like, the the end of his FF run, Ben had been killed, the thing had been killed, and they went to heaven, basically, and got him back. And God was kind of... Not happy about that. ...represented by, it looked like Jack Kirby. Because, of oh. course, that is God to the Fantastic Four. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, I guess overall thoughts. If I were to rate this, I would totally rate this like an 8 out of 10. Just really cool. You know, I didn't really catch all of the, like, biblical references. Like, I knew they were, but I wasn't very familiar with them mm-hmm. so much. But, I, I mean, this book just got me just purely on the art. And this is something that I really love having on my shelf and going places with, like, super good read. Yeah, yeah, there's <clears throat> there's, uh, there's a lot of little things, like you had mentioned, Colton, that I kind of was wondering, well, what about this? What about this? So some parts I felt were kind of rushed in a yeah. way, but I love the art. I love everything it said about Superman and about Captain Marvel, and I've always loved him. Um, a lot of great character moments. I, I actually just wish it had been longer like one more issue just to fill in one some more things. issue yeah i i almost feel like it reminds me of flashpoint in a way where I, f- I feel like every single there are so many places where you could add more stories into mm-hmm. yeah but it's really concise like and i think that's how you know it's a good book if what a big thing you want is more of it mm-hmm. that it piqued mm-hmm. your interest i i'd probably give this a nine mm-hmm. i Hold it pretty close to Watchmen, in my view, just the way it approaches the comic book universe that it creates. 
and how serious and how thoughtful it is because we never really got, I feel like before Watchmen and maybe like Dark Knight Returns, there was never, oh, how would this actually work in the real world or how would normal people even feel about this really? Mm-hmm. And it really deals with like the serious ramifications of super powered people running amok. It's not, it's one of the few stories that I know where you really get more of a civilian's perspective and not just the heroes, which I really appreciated. Like, that was very cool. And watching the ramifications that in, like, like in affect everybody. Yeah. That was really, really neat. Yeah. Really awesome pick. So good. Did right. I give it a score? Uh, you didn't, Roman. You didn't. Oh, you, you can't now, though. Um, I'll give, uh, uh, I'll give it a, do we do point, points? Do you give it, yeah. you can give it whatever you want. You can give it decimals. You can give it fractions. You can give it things aren't even numbers. Yeah, you can give it, you know, as many Shazams as you want. I'll, gi- I'll, I'll, I'll give it, like, eight giant green cool swords. Oh, green uh, lantern swords. swords. <laughs> Out of ten, Shazam, 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 Shazam. There we go. Oh, great. Now the table's on fire. <laughs> Everything's blown up. The podcast just cuts off right there. Uh, so, Roman... Man, well, you know, you know that the pressure's on you though for the next. Well, pick. now after after reading this and talking about all those themes and Alex Ross's art, now I want to read Marvels. Marvels, yeah, the, okay. his his big project before this that also was his first story dealing with like a human being's perspective, but not on a not on this big life level. level. The Ben Yurick one. So yeah. Marvels will be your pick. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be exciting. I'm excited to read that one, and hopefully we can we'll get it out a little bit sooner than normal. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and then we'll do something a little different for the next podcast after that to kind of throw throw a little little flavor in there, something different, and then you know see how that one goes. So it's cool. been fun. Always a pleasure with both of you. Not always a pleasure. So go out and vote. Oh yeah. Yes, vote, 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 vote. All right. Till next time. Goodbye. Bye. So long.